When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. Come on, boy, 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 boy. can't deny it. I'm a fucking liar.
Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your Friday episode. We did it, folks. Another week. Are we at the end of the year yet? It sure as heck feels like it. Today, uh, this is going to be a great show. I already know it because I'm tired. I'm cranky. And those two things, that that just means it's going to be a good podcast. It just, it just means it. And we're going to talk about something I truly hate. And that's Real Housewives of Salt Lake City Reunion Part Duh. 
part two. They should actually just call it, call it part duh. Like, part duh. Oh my god, Heather Gay's faces through the reunion. She's like, what are you, what are you, pout? what is your big pout? Give me a break. Give me a, oh god. So we're going to go off on that. Also, I promised you Real Housewives of Miami recap. I love doing those Miami recaps. We're on episode seven of the new season, and I just think that show is just so fun to watch. And it'll be interesting to hear both of these combined to see if I'm just really pissy and then I get to a really good place during Miami and it's fun. Oh, you guys. Ooh, let's jump right into it. I need everybody to hold their loved ones close. There is a monster out there on the loose. And yeah, I am talking about Lisa Rinna on the runway. She is just off on these runway trips. I think she's in like Denmark or Hamburg or some kind of foreign play. And by the way, keep her. Like, you get her over there. But you guys, she's like, hey, I'm walking the runway. It's me, Lisa Rinna. <laughs> you thought you saw the rest of the end of me, but no. Look at me coming towards the camera, attacking the stage like a Terminator. <laughs> My God, you guys. Uh, listen, I have said in the past that Lisa Rinna is a very, I think she's an attractive woman. I am not attracted to her because I don't like her personality, but I, I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. She's got like a great body. Um, she's got skin and eyes and hands, you know, the whole, all the things you need for a body. But then the, you got it. You've seen these photos by now. It came out today, you guys. And she's like, hey, I'm Lisa Rinna. And she's like walking towards the camera. And I swear to God, you know, that's nightmare fuel. That's the kind of shit I'm going to be. I'm not going to be able to sleep. This is like Freddy Krueger all over again. It's like, I'm, mommy, mommy, come check my bed. There's a Lisa Rinna on the runway under there. I know there is. But I just not. A, by the way horrific like just she's attacking the stage she got this really intense look on which i just don't think she needed i don't know maybe the show was like the theme was like fear i don't know and but then also she fucking dyed her eyebrows and you guys know how i feel about that eyebrow shit we've just got to stop it we got to nip it in the bud but it's like oh dyeing the eyebrows on top of already a scary pose it is just everything that i don't like in one picture and it really just knocked me off my coal mining ass and I'm just going to stick with me. And I just pray the people, wherever she was doing, I just, I hope everybody's okay. I don't know if there's any mass casualties, but yeah, I'm on the runway. I'm doing fashion couture. <laughs> Harry, I can't have your Bolognese because I'm trying to fit into this diaper. <laughs> I miss you, Ryan. Well, I miss you too, Lisa. <laughs> Do you want to see my nipple? No, no, Lisa, I don't. I've got two of them. <laughs> Look at my areola. <laughs> okay, if anybody's family or listening or anything like that, I just apologize. I just flat out apologize. This isn't the real me. But it's Friday. We cut loose. We made it to the end of the week. Um, as always, if you like this show, listen, and I know a lot of people are like, hey, I'm listening to you already, but I don't need to do anything else. I, I feel you. I really do. But take a moment to rate this five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. 
just take it so you can always scream at whatever listening device you're listening on and go, I did it already, jerk. You can just scream that out loud if you do it. If you haven't done it yet, then you cannot scream at me. Anybody new to the show, welcome. I know this is intense. I know it's a lot. Believe me, you will get used to it. You are in a safe space. You're gonna. We're all going to get through this show together. Um, and, uh, so the, the five stars Patreon, if you like more episodes, did a great hour and a half episode solo on Sunday, we'll be doing more this weekend and we are preparing for the digital event of the century. Uh, I have teamed up with moment for a digital worldwide experience. Um, it'll be next Thursday. It's going to be the day after the premiere of Vanderpump rules season 10. Join us, me, Tom Sandoval, Ariana Maddox, Kiki at the Talk of Shame. We had some surprises. We, uh, I, it's just, it's going to be hopefully a great night. But even if it isn't, just come to watch me fail. Just come to laugh at me. But do it like just, just, I just, I think it's going to be a blast. So I want you to come join. Uh, I keep talking about it all week, and I got to tell you. I, you guys know, I just hate promoting myself. I really do. It's the worst part of this job. I hate putting up the graphics for the podcast, even though Meditza makes these beautiful graphics, but I hate it because it's like, and I feel like this is a service to a degree. I feel like we do a good job here, but I just hate having to be the one to always push. I cannot wait. If it ever happens, I'll just, I'll manifest this. I'll put this into the universe as, as my new friend, Kelly from Milf Manor says to manifest. I hope that one day I can have somebody, you know, promoting me. That's not me. Like somebody else promoting me and screaming like about me. Cause it's sometimes it's really messed up if you're already an insecure person and then you have to keep doing it because you're like, I'm proud of the show. I don't know if I necessarily like myself, but I'm proud of the show. And you have to keep letting people know because there's no other way people are going to find you. So every time you're like, just always, and even if it's not my podcast, it's other people's podcasts, share your likes with your friends. Try to go around and tell people, oh, you are you insane? You might like this guy's show. Um, but yeah, all of that stuff helps, but come down, watch this show next Thursday. It's 6 PM Pacific standard time, 9 PM Eastern standard time. The cool thing with this though, is that you have two weeks to watch it. Uh, you do not have to watch it live, even though I think it'll be really fun live. There's going to be a chat session during, uh, I, I have some crazy things in store. And if you listen to this show, I think, you know, that I'm telling the truth. That is a threat. That is a threat. We've got a big week up ahead because we got Real Housewives of New Jersey premiering. We got Vanderpump Rules premiering on Wednesday. And then the next week, we got Summer House. So we can ride this stuff out until the rest of the year. And we do not have to do any kind of personal development on ourselves at all. We can just keep, you know, what I think they're doing. They're just putting one show after the other. We're going to be, we're going to be done with our lives any day now. <laughs> it's just going to be like, okay, I'm on season 80 of Vanderpump Rules and I'm, They've really recaptured the magic again. They've really, they've really got it back. Um, okay, so those are the plugs. Come join us next Thursday. Uh, but really buy the tickets. Show the support. I want to do well for this company as well. Uh, and I just, uh, this is kind of the next step up in a way, or kind of a natural progression before I start doing uh, shows in your town. Now that actually definitely is a threat. Um, a couple of things I want to read to you guys before we uh, get into the recaps. This is going to be real quick. Um, I wanted to talk about some good news. If you liked the show Traders, Traders on Peacock, the uh, reality show, we talked to Kyle Cook from Summer House last week about this. They renewed it for a season two. They renewed it for a season two. And not just that, season one, they are going to have a reunion 
and Andy Cohen will be hosting. And I'm really excited for that. I'm kind of bummed that we have not had an ultimate girls trip reunion. I think that is, I don't understand that uh, because those are all housewives. But listen, I, the traders thing, I, I want that show to do good. I'm so glad that there's another season. I figured there would be because the production value on it is so high, and I really did enjoy it. But it's in that kind of Survivor Amazing Race territory. Alan Cumming, uh, who is the host of it, is just great. Uh, but yeah, that I'm excited. That's going to be coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they announced their nominees. I'm going to go over that with you guys on Monday during the Pop Culture Roundup. I wanted to read a couple things. I was bitching and moaning about Ticketmaster yesterday. Uh, because I was like, how are $10,000 tickets already up for Beyonce on StubHub? And I had somebody that is in the Patreon write to me, and I thought this was, I wanted to read it to you guys, because this just made a lot of sense to me. Um, she wrote, um, you're amazing, you're the best thing that ever happened since life. She didn't write that, but that's how I wish that email started. She goes, hey, I work in ticketing, and the Ticketmaster slander really is misdirected. Are they a greedy corporation? Yes, but a lot of the greed is coming from the artist. StubHub, SeatGeek, and other resale sites are in direct competition with Ticketmaster. So the fact that Beyonce tickets are already on sale on StubHub before the seats are even on sale for $10,000 has nothing to do with Ticketmaster. I could go on forever, but the hate does not need to be solely placed on Ticketmaster. Now, I'm not going to say her name or anything like that. And listen... I want to assure you I have so much hate to go around. I have hate for Ticketmaster. I have hate for StubHub. I have hate for all of them. And listen, that is a good point. But I think this is a fascinating subject. Sometimes like how I think about streaming, I really love. I'm passionate about that. But as somebody that has bought tickets all their lives, uh, even before there was things like StubHub, uh, it's frustrating, though, when the consumer... You know, the prices get jacked like sometimes like 30 times the actual price of the ticket. Like, and these are like even small indie bands starting out. And the thing is, like, you'll go on uh, like StubHub the first day of a concert and it's like the highest it'll ever be. You have to almost wait to, to, to get closer to the show to actually for the prices to lower when people start panicking and think they're going to have to eat the cost of those tickets. But it's hard because. I think there's something like really, uh, you want those tickets. They're going to make you feel good. You need them right now. It's hard to wait. And there are a lot of things as I've grown up, I'm realizing that I don't need them right now. I don't need them. I don't need them. Even if that little voice in my head says it's going to make me everything feel better. But anyways, if you do want Beyonce tickets, you got to register for the verified fan presale through Ticketmaster and they will go on sale next week. But even that, like I could only sign up. There's like three sections of... Uh, where, you know, certain dates and certain towns, like one block over here, one block over here, and one block all over here for all different cities. And I signed up for the LA one, but I couldn't even sign up for both dates of the LA one. I had to pick one because I only have one account with Ticketmaster. So, well, you know what? It's, it's really going to be a lottery and I'm just scared. Uh, the one thing I do know about Ticketmaster is they have dynamic pricing. So sometimes that can hit as well. This will be really interesting to see though. And like I had talked about yesterday, the, uh, you know, through those government hearings, this will really be interesting to see how it goes. But yeah, I, I, I do. And it's great to have that pointed out that, listen, it's not just Ticketmaster. It's all of these other companies putting their hands in there as well, trying to get their slice of the pie. And, you know, I, I've heard of things where artists, you know, artists get like, you know, 5% of, you know, like they'll get, they'll actually have sections just blocked off so they can resell them. Um, so it's really interesting, but I think this will eventually 
have to be dealt with. I mean, there's so many problems in the world, but this is a problem where we're like, we need our entertainment. You can jack up the cost of eggs. You can do all of this stuff, but I need, we need entertainment. We need it to be fair. And it's hard because there's like these marquee artists, your Taylor Swift's, your Beyonce, your Harry Styles, where they are close to impossible because the demand. I was even reading an article today saying the Beyonce, uh, people signing up for those verified uh, tickets, it was over, it was I mean, this can't be right. 800% over the amount of tickets that they have. That could be really completely wrong, but I believe maybe it was 80%. Maybe that sounds better, but it was a lot. It was a lot. You guys, you guys don't come here for like facts, facts, right? Okay, good. Um, Also, I wanted to talk about Ozempic again, and I have a feeling I'm going to be talking about this for a while because it truly is fascinating to me. Now, in the Daily Mail today, uh, there was an article saying, you know, it's not just Ozempic. It's all of these types. They're called semaglutides. And Wegovi is one as well. And Wegovi put out a release today saying that, that you know, that they have there there there's like new stock coming in. There will be no shortage. And I cracked up because in the Daily Mail they used all Kim Kardashian photos. And I don't believe Kim Kardashian admits yet that she is doing this. So I was like, oh, Kim must love this. This must be fun for Kim if she reads the Daily Mail. But remember, Kim's in her phase of celebrity where she's like, uh, I don't pay attention to negative stuff. I don't. I don't pay attention, so I don't read. Now, this is, I wanted to read this from one of the baddies. We call ourselves the baddies. Are you a baddie? I know you might laugh at first, but like I said, it's like the show. It grows on you. I now like the name baddie. Like, are you, I think it's like, I first, when I heard this years ago, I was like, oh, that's so dumb. And now I kind of like the baddies. I like it. It kind of has grown on me. Um, Anyways, she wrote, uh, we had a guest on uh, for the Pop Culture Roundup, not this past week, but the week before. And she was talking a lot about Ozempic and these diet things. And I wanted to give a different perspective. And I thought this was just a great message as well. She said, hey, I just listened to the segment about the diabetes drug and weight loss uh, with your, your host, your guest. I wholeheartedly disagree with what she shared about taking the drugs. I know she has been on them, and I decided for the sake of my mental health to not follow somebody who so easily advertises taking drugs to avoid having a body like mine. It is such a privilege to be straight size or minimally plus sized and claim that they don't understand why society attaches morality to weight. Fat people, and I use fat in a liberating way, do not have the luxury. We are constantly stigmatized and deemed lazy. So instead of creating in a world in which people can exist in their bodies, which wellness and diet industries will never allow, we want to get rid of diverse bodies? Now with drugs? Nope. I think it's great the secret ways of celebs are uncovered. Their bodies are bought with money, surgeries, drugs, personal trainers, chefs, after all. And I really just thought that was a great, a, a different perspective that we might not all hop on. I was talking about yesterday, I was just even saying with Erica Jane, I was like, wow, it's just weird. There's like a gaunt uh, weight loss epidemic that all of a sudden has hit Los Angeles with all our favorite celebrities all of a sudden just all losing weight at the same time. Like, is there some kind of exercise pro? Like, did Tybo get like a new, a new format? You know, like it, it, it seems like this is a thing that is very much you know picking up steam. And it's interesting that we are seeing it through the lens of a celebrity. And all of these people keep keep arguing of like, oh, no, well, I'm eating right and working out. Yeah, no shit. You, you have to do all of those things. You know, you still have to do those things. But they almost kind of wear like a badge of honor of like, see, I wouldn't do that if I was on this. No, no, you, you would do all of it. And I just think it's interesting because I listen, I come from a personal, uh, I 
fluctuate in weight a lot. And I am really at my heaviest. I would say I'm about 15, 20 pounds shy of my heaviest. And I, and, and you guys, I'm not going insane. Like I'm not like, I'm not eating more than I've ever eaten in my life. I'm not like I'm working out a good deal. And it just, the weight doesn't seem to come off anymore. And also, I'm not starving myself. I'm not on a strict diet, but I'm also not insanely eating. I'm not stress eating like I was at times. And it's frustrating when you work hard. Like I work out with this trainer and like it doesn't he doesn't let me just just dick around like we actually work. And it's frustrating because you want those results of being able to fit into a pair of jeans that you hadn't been able to fit in, or you want somebody to tell you that you're, uh, oh, wow, you look really good today. And, um, you know, we do attach so much to that. I attach, I mean, I, even my relationship with weight throughout my entire life, I mean, I should do a whole show on that at some point and just tell you all of the things that I've been on or have tried, not been on, but diets I've tried, exercise programs I've tried to varying degrees of success. And it's hard though, because you have to really amp yourself up to get, to kind of go back to the well and go, okay, are we going to do this again? Are we going to do this again? And then, I mean, of course it all kind of falls into loving yourself as well, which we're not going to get, I mean, this is kind of a, it's not a silly show. We talk about a lot of things, but I, I like to have a silly, I like to come from a silly point of view, but I know a lot of this, you know, it's like, I wish I had so much more love for myself where I didn't go to bed and go, well, I I would probably be more liked if I was better looking or if I was thinner or these are actual thoughts. You know, I, I don't have any problem admitting that to you. These are actual thoughts. And you say it out loud and you're like, whoa, that sounds wild. But when you're in your head and just talking to yourself and you're, you, you're used to doing this over decades, it's really normal. It's eerily normal. And you guys know what I'm talking about. You, A lot of you have been in that same place. But I just loved this, uh, this message to me. And I love that. And I love when somebody points out a different point of view and points out because really it is not all one thing. And you do, there is this dangerous side of things. Um, and it's unfortunate because you have these kind of shortcuts, even though these celebrities will say it's not a shortcut. I haven't had an appetite in a month now. You don't think I'm suffering? But at the same time, it's still a shortcut. You know, and uh, it's it's probably really dangerous for some of those as well. Now, I know some of my friends are on it and they might really just be screaming at the uh, the phone right now or whatever they're listening to it on. And, and listen, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's very interesting to get everybody's perspectives for this. OK. Oh, my God. What if next season of every Bravo show, everybody's dropped like 30 pounds? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. OK. Let's get into this, you guys. Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, part duh. We are wrapping up season three, and oh, what a season it wasn't. It was truly horrible. I was on Up and Adam Live on YouTube today. You should go check it out, his channel, and I love that dude. And uh, there's not a lot of positive stuff I can say about this. We're going to go over it, and there's a lot of funny moments that... But overall, really sloppy season. Really don't get Meredith and Heather at the end. Um, I, uh, Whitney and Lisa, I really like, but even that is disjointed in a lot of ways. Uh, it's a very broken show. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of promise in it still. I don't know how certain people come back though from this. I mean, it looks like they don't really, you know, production potentially might not care because, you know, like I said, they're filming in less than two weeks 
and Mary Cosby is back. But yeah, you're still going to have to deal with the issues about Mary Cosby that we all knew about Mary Cosby. Like we all of a sudden, we all like, oh, she's amazing all of a sudden. It's like, yeah, we always thought she was fun and kooky and funny, but we also had bigger conversations where she didn't really fit into the narrative of the show. But now we find out with this season, there really wasn't a narrative of the show. This show had 30 different storylines this season, and none of them truly checked. What is this? Who is calling me? Who is interrupting this? Who is B. Sherman? I don't even know who that is. Um, Anyways, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City Reunion Part 2. Also, I want to shout out Laura Beth Harp, at Laura Beth Harp, H-A-R-P-E on Instagram. She took notes all season long for Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, and that is a task. Um, I got to tell you, it it really helps so much. Um, because sometimes like I was taking notes for Miami today and it's so hard to stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. And you're, you're kind of missing because you're not able to watch the overall picture. And it really, really does help. So a a huge shout out to Laura Beth Harp. Thank you so much. I love seeing these notes come in because I'll be able to take my separate notes, watch the show a couple times and then know, okay, I got this to work off of and to kind of expand from, um, who, why? Okay. I don't know who keeps doing this. We got to take a break here. Oh my God, you guys, it was, it was just Congressman Brad Sherman. Oh, I hate those. Anyways, I'm going to turn my phone on silent. That's my fault. And I was just getting going, you guys. Well, anyways, I'll talk to you on Monday. No. So this is part two, Salt Lake City. Let's get into it. We start with Andy going, we left off last week. Remember with Angie K talking about the, uh, the old scissoring. Sorry, YouTube. You're watching me do my scissor hands. Uh, for those of you. This is so classy. Anyways, Andy's like, Angie Kay, you said at the finale that she may have received the black eye during Barbie scissor kicks and suggested that it may be the result of some sort of sex sexcapade gone wrong. And we get a flashback to the finale when Angie said that. And Angie goes, well, I was talking to some people and they said, have you heard of any sexual relationship relations between Heather and Jen? And I have never heard that before. So I assume, okay, this is obviously already Angie Kay in like, in the weeds going, I heard about it, but I had never heard of that before. I had never heard of that before. So come on, Angie, if you're going to like, if you're going to put out shit, spread shit, you know, like stand up for it in the moment. Uh, Heather goes, you've been friends with her for 20 years. You thought we had a sex act. I shit you not guys. When Heather said that, I go, yeah, yep. I said it out. I was like, yep, I do. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, Angie goes, girl, there's a lot of things I don't know about Jen. I don't know things about your sexual life. And when he's like, well, it's probably just the behavior on the bed. And Heather's like, well, to add insult to injury, now I had a sexcapade with Jen that I'm covering up for my blackout. So it's just getting better. Heather, this is what happens, though, when you don't tell any form or sort of the truth, then people put their spin on it. And if you guys are bumping uglies in footage where literally your tops are off, you're grabbing each other, and literally there's a humping motion, yeah, I'm going to think that maybe there might be some some itchy, some creepy uncle figures involved, you know, like there's going to be some light touch. We saw you touching and grabbing. We saw boobs pressing up against boobs. It's also okay if you have done anything with Jen. I mean, it's not okay maybe with the Mormon church. I mean, it's not okay with me and my eyes, but it's okay. You know, like, I'm sorry. Like that's, but also 
This is the shit that pisses me off because the black eye, you know, like I always keep saying, that's the part that she's shameful about. No, if anything, you think this bumping all the boobies and the breastuses against each other, that would be the part that you kind of be like, you know what? I feel really weird with that being on TV. The black eye does not matter at all. In fact, if somebody woke up with a black eye, I'd be like, ha ha, how'd you do that? I hit a sink. Oh my God. Well, anyways, let's go get some, uh, some chips. Like, I mean, it would be such a non-issue. The issue for me was all you guys gallivanting around with your tops off. I don't mean like issue like I hated it. Just like that would be the thing that I would kind of think was weird. But also it would be the kind of thing where we're like, oh, you guys are definitely potentially very familiar with each other's bodies. But like, again, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So uh, Lisa's like, no, but you have to understand what people were thinking watching you on top of Jen. And what he's like, no, it's what we saw on the bed. And we get a flashback to the humping thing on the bed. And Lisa's like, you look like you maybe. I mean, I understand why she would ask that. And Heather's like, it was not a sex injury. And if it was, I don't remember. And I've never been attracted to Jen like that. I mean, my God, Heather, ride or die my ass. You, you, This girl's going to prison, and she needs to impress all of those prisoners in there. You can't send her off with a, yeah, she's great. You, sh She's great to do things with. Come on, give her a Yelp recommendation here. Why are you throwing her? You're never attracted to Jen. Come on, Heather, stop that. And Andy's like, well, let me ask you this. As a woman who wakes up with a black eye and scratches, I mean, didn't you want to find the person who did it? Great question, Andy. And Heather's like... I kind of felt like, and this is when she gets all, I kind of felt like, because I had been drinking, whatever happened to me, I, I deserved it. And I just felt embarrassed and ashamed. And she goes into the quiet Heather, the quiet, the subdued, not the funny Heather. And then he's like, well, oh, that's terrible. Well, Heather, I'm glad you're safe, at least despite all the confusion. And I hope you give yourself a break because it's certainly not worth the shame spiral that you're putting yourself through. I mean, that's the thing. I think that's the confusing thing, even Andy, of like, yo, um, the black guy isn't the shameful part. The shameful part is you actually calling an investigation, doing all of the stuff, kind of dancing around it, making up five different possible stories, including spider bites, joking about it on camera. That's the kind of part where I would say, yo, maybe shame spiral a little bit about that stuff, but the actual thing of getting a black guy, not that big of a deal. Uh, so Angie H, Angie K, and Dana... Uh, Andy's like, well, thanks so much for joining us. I'm like, wow, what a great 10 minutes with Angie H, Angie K, and Dana. And by the way, I'm not complaining, but listen, if you didn't have a third part and you're looking for things to fill, you're not going to bring Angie H's husband, Jen Shaw Exposed, to see if you can bring him out there and see if you can get him to cry again like he did with Coach. Are you kidding me? That was like a golden opportunity. You had it right there. Bring him out and make him explain. And also... This just, ugh, pulling on my ears, this makes me so mad because it's one of those, it's just, I mentioned this idea yesterday of like, we're finding out all of these things after the fact. And it's like, I feel like production and Andy, and it's not really so much Andy because I think he gets prepared notes, is that you gotta have everything that's gonna come after you after a reunion, like all of these facts, have them before the reunion. Like we find out during this episode that Jen Shaw reached out to cast members for money and Angie H actually gave her money. Now, I don't know if they knew this before and they just decided not to focus on it when Angie H was out there, but I think that is a huge mistake. How much would you have wanted to watch Angie H squirm around 
and say why she gave her the money of like, oh, well, my, my husband did make the Shaw exposed account. Oh my God. You know, I think that would have been a moment. I know that would have been a moment and you just don't do anything with it. This is why this show needs major resuscitation. Um, and, and listen, this is somebody that's a huge fan of these shows. I'm not, but you know what I'm saying? Like these are easy missed opportunities that is there. These are easy fixes. If you know the information and if that information came out, like when it did towards the end of this second part, you bring Angie H back. I don't care if she's getting out of makeup, go, Hey, we just got some big information. Going to need you fly back in. Angie H is so desperate for camera time. She'd probably hop right back in. Um, so uh, the friends get up to leave. Angie H hugs Heather and says she's sorry and tells Heather, don't be ashamed. And then Lisa, Whitney, Angie K and Dana, they're all taking a selfie together. They're all happy because I mean, not happy, but they're kind of like, guys, they didn't really do this. They didn't do anything wrong. They're like kind of integrity for a lot of like for all intents and purposes is is kind of intact. Angie K, not as much because listen, she paid the piper. She paid to be there in a sense. She threw coach's part. I mean, there's a lot of things Angie K did to be on that show. Angie H is in that same boat as well. And that's why I'll be really curious to see if both of them make it back because I just think it's attaching to more dead weight. We don't need that. These people are desperate to be there. They're giving out money to whoever they think can keep them on the show. And I think that's just, that's kind of, you got to watch that stuff. It's like, um, you know, with NCAA basketball or something, like if you found out you're paying these college students, that's illegal. Like, you know, no money should be exchanging hands with any of anybody on this show, because then what's to say that Jen Shaw didn't ask for money from the crew? Like, Oh, the producers are good friends with me. Can you give me and us money as well? Like that just, it, it's it, that sh stuff should just be completely a rule. Anyways, um, Heather is now crying on the couch and hugs Meredith, but not like, she's like, ah. her face is like, mm, ah. and Heather is like, it's like, they were all right. You go to this dark side and look what happens. You fall off, you know, you become this debaucherous fool. And I'm so embarrassed. I think this is bullshit. I don't think she is so embarrassed. I don't think she is. I think she's embarrassed. If she, I think she's embarrassed about how bad it played. I think she misjudged. I think she miscalculated. Um, I think she is not as smart as we all told her she was. And I think it's really bitten her in the ass. And like, it's really taken uh, her, you know, housewife's persona, uh, as Jen Shaw would say to the judge, uh, is really taken a big hit, I believe. And I just, like I said, I don't know how much more I'm really wanting to go along with her story. And also knowing she's pub, like I was reading this New York Times article with her today for the Bad Mormon book. And she was just like, I'm going to write it out for another couple of seasons and see how much more marrow I can suck out of the bone. And I'm like, ah, first off, gross. And second off, well, what else can you give us? And she also, you know, also it got in there, what I talked about yesterday about the Mormon church wasn't suing the book. It was suing the title of the book and it's not suing for damages. She just doesn't want them to use that. And listen, I have my major problems with the Mormon church, but I do understand that if you are a conglomerate, or I'm sorry, a church, you are not going to want your name Mormon. And then the first thing is bad Mormon. You're not going to want that out there. Um, so I understand that. Uh, I don't personally really care one way or the other, but it's not what Heather made it out to be on the show of like, they're after me. I'm like, no, they're after the name of your book. Um, 
So Andy returns to the stage for the next segment, and Andy's like, we're back on the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City reunion. Throughout this season, Whitney took us on her healing journey as she works towards moving past her childhood pain. This must have been incredibly difficult for you. How did you unlock these memories in the first place? There was something that would haunt me, and this last couple years, I started having physical manifestations, meaning like I was having all these health problems, and that's where I started doing memory recall work, because I kind of always knew there was something else and it started coming back to me and I never imagined that I'd be questioned about it that I get hate for it that and Andy's like who questioned you the viewers your family I felt like my cast members questioned me and then viewers and this is when you you know see Whitney or butt puckers uh, sorry Heather her butt puckers up she's like huh what are you saying like you know Heather was just weeping in this other segment and now she's back to like judging Whitney I just think it's like ugh it's like she wear like you can just see it and like oh I'm gonna look down on you now Whitney even though he's just crying about a debaucherous fool that I am but you you are potentially the real issue here uh, and he's like, given where your relationship has gone this season, did you feel like you were able to support her in the way that you would have had you two been in a better place to Heather? And Heather's like, no, because we didn't ever discuss it uh, if there weren't cameras. And when he's like, well, after the dinner in Arizona, she told me that my healing journey was childish, foolish, sloppy, and I made the trip about myself. And then we see a flashback to Heather yelling at Whitney about making the trip, you know, all this trip about her in Scottsdale. And when he's like, why would I ever come back to you and try to have a conversation about that? Guys, that makes a lot of sense. Like, really? If you're going to open up something that deep and then somebody yells at you for that on camera, why would you continue to go to them at all? Like, I do that. I mean, I even do that with friends. If I know, like, oh, that's they're not going to like that. I'm not going to talk to them about that. I'm going to talk to people that actually make me feel secure about things that I express. So Heather's like, I did not realize that that's what we were talking about. Heather, you didn't realize that's what you were talking about? We literally just saw a clip where that's what they were talking about. And I'm horrified that you would think that I would ever dismiss your feelings like that. That's not how I've ever been. It's not how I ever would be. And that would have been a complete anomaly for how I feel about you. Even though, Heather, we saw many scenes during the season where you did exactly just that. I mean, you even manhandled her. And Andy goes, how does it feel hearing what she's saying now, Whitney? Does that change anything for you? And Whitney's like, not yet. <laughs> when he's like, and he's like, not yet. And when he goes, mm-hmm. and Andy goes, Jay from Little Rock said, Whitney, have you spoken to your abuser since these memories resurfaced? And when he's like, no. And I'm like, I mean, who, who do we think it is? You guys, like, I'm really nervous. I mean, you know, there's some obvious questions I have that I think you might have as well. And I'm just, I, I'm really curious. I don't know. Maybe you guys know, maybe this has come out in like a Reddit thread somewhere or something, but let me know if you guys know. And um, Andy goes, you have not. Okay, well, I'm sorry you had to go through that. Thank you. And Andy's like, well, they're cousins, ex-Mormons, and good time girls. But we experienced bad weather this season as Heather and Whitney's relationship went from bright and sunny to dark and stormy. Let's watch. And we see flashbacks of Heather and Whitney and good times. And then we see the dissolution of their relationship this season. Uh, you know, with the the, the blowjob thing, with Lisa Barlow, the screaming, all of this stuff. And, and then that one really annoying scene towards the end of this uh, season where Heather's like, I'm sorry, bad weather has caused you such trauma. Go fly free, young Whitney. Who the fuck are you? Who are you? 
What a snotty way to say that. I mean, just I mean, just the you can just feel it dripping. The 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 just the the insincereness, just gross. And Andy's like, "Where do you stand today?" And Heather's like, "I mean, it's not good." And Andy goes, "Buzz from L.A., which is a great name, Buzz. Buzz from L.A. Whitney, after watching the episode back, do you stand by calling Heather a liar? If you told the story again sober, do you think you'd have the same outcome? Because remember, they were shit canned. And what I do appreciate about that episode of Salt Lake was that you could tell they were shit canned. There's this thing when you're shit canned that you look, you're like red eyed, or you're like, no, you don't understand. There's always like a bra strap or something just like hanging out, and it's it's a really great because you're like, well, this is real. I know, I know." this you know so uh Whitney's like it would be the same conversation why are you lying about this and Heather's like I didn't hear you say that Whitney I've come to terms that she doesn't remember I never heard you say those rumors about Lisa Whitney I've accept I've accepted that I don't agree but I accept that and Heather's like Angie said she never said it and uh Andy's like you believe now that she never heard it but being drunk, it makes it so messy because I got confused with my words. And when you're going up against someone who's like a master debater, <laughs> high five, Wayne's World, Wayne's World, it's party time. Master debater, yeah, master debater. Well, you guys aren't any fun, master debater. Anyways, when you're going up against someone that's like a master debater, it's hard. And Andy's like, Who's the master debater, Heather? And Heather's like, me? And Whitney's like, Heather, yeah. And Heather goes, oh, thank you. Don't worry, Heather, you're not. And Andy goes, congratulations. Um, Andy goes, Fola? Fola? Fola from Atlanta. No offense if your name is Fola. Uh, Heather, if you choose to recuse something from your memory, that is your right. Is that your way of saying that you didn't hear the rumors about Lisa? No, I did not hear the rumor that became the big flame, but I did hear rumors about Lisa in my bedroom when we arrived in Arizona from Whitney. And we get that flashback of Whitney telling Heather, like, there's a rumor about Lisa. And Heather's like, so that's what I was trying. They were conflated. And Whitney goes, the details are going to trip us up. And Heather's like, I was just trying to answer. Why that one rumor, though? Why that one thing? Well, there's two separate issues, Heather says. If you want to say horrible things about people and I choose not to believe it and not ever repeat it, I don't want you to come and say, I told you, therefore you're part of this. That's not fair. That's me recusing myself from it. But I also did not hear the rumor. So this is a really tricky thing, too, because Heather's going, well, I wouldn't, if I did hear it, I would never have said it anyways. Even if I did know it, I would act like I didn't. But then she's also going, but you know, I really didn't. So I also think with this season, especially... Um, that this show has lost credibility. Heather has lost credibility. So I don't necessarily believe she didn't hear it. I'm sorry. And I just don't think Whitney as the type of character that's like, I need some attention that I will make up these rumors. And especially when she is now good friends with Lisa Barlow. So Andy's like, why would calling you a liar evoke such a huge reaction? And Heather goes, because I wasn't lying. I thought she was referencing. And Meredith goes, no one likes being called a liar, Andy. Let's be real. Finally, Meredith talks. When he's like, yeah, well, she called me a liar too. And Heather goes, I said, that's a lie. When he goes, she said, that's a lie. You called me a liar and a drunk. You don't stand up for me. And Andy goes, Meredith from Mead, Washington said, Heather, you say you're a loyal friend because you kept forgiving and defending Jen despite her constant lies and scamming innocent victims. Didn't Whitney deserve at least the same patience and grace you gave Jen? Oh, let's just stop saying grace in these shows. Um... 
you gave Jen for far worse. That's an interesting point, Andy goes. Do you think she holds you to a different standard than she holds Jen? And Heather's like, definitely. And when he goes, absolutely. And Heather goes, I hold her absolutely to a different standard. And Andy goes, you hold Whitney to a higher standard. And Heather goes, much higher. And then when he goes, but your actions don't convey that. Like, Jen can do anything to you and you'll go back running. And Heather goes, yeah, because I hold her to a lower standard. And when he goes, I called you a liar over a rumor. And Heather goes, and I was upset at it because I hold you to a higher standard. But that's like, that's the only thing I've ever done. This is another thing where it's like, Heather, man, get your story straight. You're going all over the map here. I mean, truly, like, pull yourself together. This this performance, whatever you're doing, you're not good at it. Um, you just really aren't. But like, listen, like, I hold Whitney to a higher standard. But we all saw, like, listen, at this rate, I would want to be judged by Heather as someone with a lower standard because she seems like she really kisses ass to those people. Isn't that wild? The people that I hold a lower standard to, I really don't usually, um, I don't really usually talk to that much. But Heather needs Jen's approval. I mean, Jen, like, for somebody that, like, really thinks so low of Jen... Man, it is wild. By the way, she says she's in therapy at some point in this, which I was like, show the receipts. I want to see that therapist receipt. But um, I would say, I hope, I don't give a shit about the black eye, but I hope your therapist is going to town on that Jen relationship. So Whitney's also just confused, like we all are at this point. And uh, Andy goes, do you think that her newfound friendship with Lisa clouded your judgment of Whitney and Heather goes, yeah, 100%. I mean, by the way, I feel like Andy gives these like life preservers and they're just like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. hundred percent. It felt like such a quick pivot, such a 180 that made me question everything. Okay. Cause Whitney had a friend now that didn't really particularly ever kiss your ass. Now you're like, but Heather, you've <laughs> anyways, Lisa goes, my question is though, is like Heather, you and I were working on our friendship. So I would think that you would want me and Whitney to be friends. And Heather's like, I would. I was. I mean, I thought we were all working towards it. That's why when she said, should I discuss these rumors with Lisa? I said, absolutely not right now. Do it in a constructive, positive way. And I think that was really a giant step backwards for your friendship. And she's pointing at Lisa and Meredith. And for our friendship, pointing to Lisa and herself. And for our friendship, pointing to herself and Whitney. And Whitney's like, yeah, but you can't put all that blame on me. And Lisa's like, it wasn't a step backward for me and Meredith. And Andy goes, she's just saying that's how she felt. And you two were still tight referring to Lisa and Whitney. And Lisa goes, yeah, I love Whitney. And Whitney's like, yeah, very close. Yeah. And Andy goes, DJ from Atlanta says, Heather, you seemed shocked to find out you and Whitney were on a friendship break. Whitney, why did you talk with everyone but Heather about the break? I literally made that decision in that conversation in the hot tub right before San Diego. And Lisa's like, what Jen was doing was deflecting from the fact that she had a lot about Heather in the hot tub because I've received so many texts. I fucking hate Heather. I'm like, if you hate Heather, you need to talk to her about it. And we see screenshots of texts from Jen to Lisa, bad-mouthing Heather. And, like, that's the shitty thing. It's like Heather adores Jen in this, like, really psychotic way. And at the same time, Lisa wouldn't piss on Heather if she... Uh, sorry, Jen wouldn't piss on Heather if she was on fire. Uh, and he goes, by the way, you bring up a really good point because uh, the flashbacks th they showed of you ladies in the hot tub. I mean, Jen, Jen is slagging you off, Heather. And we get a flashback to that hot tub, which, by the way, part of me was thinking about the reunion. They should have held it in a hot tub because this season was mainly in pools and hot tubs, if you think about it. And it's really awkward to watch scenes where people are just 
in a hot tub, <laughs> standing in a hot tub too. They have big hot tubs in Utah. Um, so, uh, flashback and Andy goes, were you upset by anything you saw Heather? And Lisa is holding up printed copies of her text from Jen asking if Heather wants to see. And Andy's like, are you upset about anything that you saw, uh, about you? And Heather goes, absolutely. And Andy goes, you were. And Heather goes, I was completely upset. And when I saw that, I decided to kiss her ass even more. And she goes, did you confront her about it? Andy asked. And Heather goes, yeah. I mean, when I saw that play out, I texted her and said, when did you get so good at math? 60%? Because Jen said she's like 60% of a good friend. Um, so Heather, like, I love Heather's like, yeah, I did confront her. Uh, and then the con- confrontation is like, when did you get so good at math? 60%. And then Heather goes, but Whitney was talking about about me too. And Whitney goes, no, I was not. And Lisa goes, no, she was not. She did not. Can I speak? This is my question. Heather goes, everyone was talking bad about me. I'm I'm upset with everyone. Heather, what is your deal? I'm upset with everyone. No, listen, you like, I get that makes it like, I have enough anger to go around, but come on, live in this world with us. Lisa goes, you're blanket statementing it, Heather. It's not true. Heather, I did talk badly about you. I said I need to put up some boundaries because I feel like I keep working on the relationship and you keep shutting me down and you're not receptive to it. How long can I keep myself open to repairing something that you don't want to repair? And it was very much a friendship break. We weren't talking every day. We weren't doing things together. And I swear to God, I never said anything bad about you and that hot tub. And Lisa goes, she did not. And Whitney goes... Jen absolutely did, though. And Andy goes, did you see a flashback of her talking bad about you in the hot tub, or did you hear it from Jen? And Heather goes, I can't remember anything specifically. <laughs> Heather really does have a memory issue. Like, it's like, listen, it's funny, but uh, if it turns out to be true, Heather, you might have early onset Alzheimer's in some way, and we do, that is an issue. Um, she's like, just a thought of, and it's hard because Heather's always the smart one that kind of remembers everything, including how Lisa treated her in college. But like, I don't remember a lot about this year all of a sudden. Um, she goes, just the thought of, you know, your go-to engaging in any part of that conversation just felt like, it felt like a betrayal. And Andy goes, did it feel like a betrayal when you saw how, um, how, uh, Jim speak? I think that's a misbrand. Um, how Jen was speaking. And Heather goes, yeah, absolutely. It felt like a betrayal. And when he goes, but you texted her and not me. And Heather goes, well, we already knew where we were because of BravoCon. And we get a flashback to BravoCon 2022 when Heather and Whitney, uh, they were at the panel and they were, uh, you know, talking, you know, of like Heather going, we're not in a very good place right now. And, you know, talking shit about Whitney and then Heather goes, and because of the things she said about me on her podcast. And we get a flashback to a clip of Whitney's podcast. Uh, I think it's called Wild Rose in November of 2022, where she says she is not going to hold back with Heather anymore. By the way, that's not like you should encourage your friend to stand up for themselves, even if it's about you. And if not, like if that is like you should then talk to that person of like, why, why are you feeling that way about me? But Heather really, Heather does not think much of Whitney. Like shocker, she just doesn't. She doesn't. She doesn't feel like she needs to do shit, even though I feel like Heather is completely in the wrong on this one. Um, also, Whitney's podcast, man. I like, listen, this is, I mean, really, I mean, I don't even know what's a podcast. It'd just be a TV show. There's like a full shot, two women. I was like, wow. So Heather goes, so I knew how we felt. And when he goes, that was after BravoCon. You were the one at BravoCon that flip-flopped on me. But I want you to know something about Jen. And Heather goes, I don't want to litigate Jen. She's not here. 
<laughs> I don't want to litigate Jen. <laughs> I don't want to litigate Jen. Why not? Jen's really comfortable with being litigated at this point. And Whitney goes, yeah, but you should know something. She was so nasty that day. And Lisa goes, yeah, she would say, fuck Heather. My lawyers fucking hate Heather. Sharif hates Heather. And we shut it down. By the way, I want that fucking scene, man. Heather goes, okay, so Jen is a horrible person. What do you guys want me to do? Heather, don't do anything. You're doing great. You're doing amazing. Keep at it. Enjoy. Enjoy what all this brings you. And Lisa goes, we're not saying that. I'm telling you in this situation, you were throwing Whitney under the bus for Jen. And Whitney goes, I'm just saying you care more about Jen than you do me. And that's fine. I've accepted it. And you've even said it at the Marilyn Monroe dinner that you're ride or die for Jen when Whitney is asking you to hear her, hear her feelings and her telling you. And Heather goes, I'm not using that term ride or die anymore. Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from 30 performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. 
What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. You guys, we did it! Not using that term, I think. Let's take credit for that, because I was really passionate about stop using that word, and I feel like she's listening. This is amazing! She goes, I'm processing a lot. I saw a lot of information. And I'm saying to both of you, I appreciate your deep concern for my loyalty to Jen. I don't think it's really an issue anymore. That's such an ignorant statement because Jen's going to jail. Well, girl, you're not going to jail. And one of the big issues is you. Jen doesn't all of a sudden go to jail and everything disappears and makes you an amazing person. It seems like you really have a lot of work to do on how you just view friendships and the world at this point and possibly how you're dealing with success of any sort. Um, So Lisa goes, it's not. This is where we're wordsmithing. I love Lisa. Lisa does not let anybody. Lisa does not take her foot off anybody's neck. And like, it's funny because it's Lisa, like, you know, like you can come at Lisa with a lot of things, but Lisa's just like, you're not going to do that, Heather. And she's right, though. Heather is wordsmithing. This is a tactic that Heather uses. And Heather goes, that's not an issue. And Lisa goes, no, wait, wait, this is where we're wordsmithing. It's not about your loyalty to Jen. It's about her feelings to Whitney. And it really is. That's true. And Whitney goes, no, it isn't. And Andy goes, is it about her loyalty to Jen versus her loyalty to you? Her loyalty to you? Yeah, I have zero loyalty to me. And Heather goes, okay, I feel like I've tried to be a loyal friend to you. Sean MJ from Cincinnati uh, raised a sentiment that we got a lot, which is, is there something going on in your life, especially with Whitney? Uh, Sorry, is there something going on in your life off camera that's making you act differently this year? The way you handled a lot of conflicts, especially with Whitney, seemed out of character from the way that we've seen you in the past. Yes, Sean MJ from Cincinnati. Yes. Uh, And then Heather goes, yeah, I've been dating Juan from Real Housewives of Potomac. (laughs) Um, Lisa, under her breath, goes, I don't think they're out of character. (laughs) She goes, she's always been a dick. I hate her. (laughs) So um, Andy goes, what would you put your finger on there? And Heather goes, we were dealing a lot with like really heavy, heavy topics, which is uncomfortable for me. I'm like, Heather, don't worry. You didn't have to really get into any of the heavy, heavy topics. Honestly, we didn't really find out dick about dick this season. And then he goes, topics like her dealing with her past abuse. And Heather goes, and we're talking about childhood trauma, felony charges, prison. And then he goes, okay. And Heather goes, adultery. And I'm writing the book and it made me especially vulnerable. I had to revisit my entire childhood. A lot of really, my, my ghostwriter had to visit my entire childhood. A lot of really cathartic things in the book that made my emotions come to the surface and made me less stable and less amenable to being a good person. Oh, the things in the book made you less willing to be a good person. Okay. Andy goes, I guess for me, you just, it seemed like to me for the first couple of seasons, like kind of the epitome of the kind of own it girl. And this season, it seemed really confusing. I was having a hard time following your train of thought. Love that line from Andy. And Heather goes, yeah, watching it back, I have a hard time following my train of thought, but I I think there were victories. Like, I realized that I'd been insensitive to Lisa on ski day, and I went straight over to you, and I was accountable and apologized. I'm trying to find moments of accountability and clarity and steps forward. Okay, now we got her to stop saying ride or die, but now we can get through the accountability, clarity, you know, grace, those kind of words. Let's get, let's 69 those as well. Uh, 86 those as well. And Meredith goes, I think for all of us, we have moments of weakness. We all have other things going on in our lives. 
I think every one of us, we'll say, you know, when we say things play back, we recognize and we're like, wow, I should have done something different. And Andy goes, what are you most nervous about, about the book? Because you seem to be under pressure relating to it. Like, I love Andy's written like six books. And he's like, you seem to really not be able to do this book, you know? And Heather goes, well, it's my family. Coming on the show is big enough for my family. But, um, and Andy goes, yeah, you ripped that bandaid off. And Heather goes, yeah, I've been schooled to never talk about these things. And if I did talk about these things, I would be condemned. I'm in litigation with the church, uh, and if the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is suing me, I can only imagine the reaction that my community and friends and family are going to have when they actually read the book, because I'm talking about things that are unspoken, and, you know, that's big, and she's talking to Whitney. Now, yeah, the, the revealing secrets of the Mormon Church, big. We will see if she reveals any secrets of the Mormon Church. I have a feeling it's going to be a lot of her personal feelings, um, uh, because they're not suing about the content of the book. Uh, but this is the thing, too. Now, Heather's been on these shows now for three seasons. Her family is aware of who this person is, of their daughter, their sister, et cetera, et cetera. They're aware. This book will not come as a shock. If anything, it's just a shock that Heather actually did it in the first place. It was like, you know what would be a fun book? You know what would actually, because somebody came to her and she's like, oh, I had this kicking around. But also remember, Heather had done many podcasts even before being cast on the show about the Mormon church. So none of this is really, really, you know, this is might going to be the biggest uh, in terms of like the book release and all that, that they'll have to deal with. But this has always been kicking around if you followed anything in regards to Heather Gay. Um, so, uh, Andy goes, so you were working on the, uh, the book, the entire season. This is an important piece of your story. And Heather goes, it is my story. And I should have been a lot better of a friend. And I know that it affected me personally. If you were supposed to be a better friend, it would affect other people personally. Wouldn't you say? And Andy goes, so the two of you, where do we see this friendship going from here? And Whitney goes, everything is leading up until today. You know, and she tells me that she wants nothing to do with me. And Andy goes, do you? To Heather. And Heather goes, I don't know. And Andy goes, you don't know. You don't know. And when he goes, like you even said it yourself, once people cross me, she cuts them out forever. And Heather's like, I'm sitting here. I'm listening. I'm trying to receive it. I, I, ah, uh, what have we become as a society? I'm trying to receive it. It's the same buzzwords used again. It's like the Ozempic of buzzwords. I'm, I'm receiving it. I'm giving myself grace and space, and I'm receiving it. And Andy goes, all right, well, we're going to leave it there. We're going to be right back. The ladies break for lunch, and they go to their dressing room. Heather walks into Meredith's room, and Heather's like, I did not think it would go that hard, that fast. Both of them, like guns blazing. Can we see the guns blazing part? I think that part sounds amazing. I didn't see that, Heather, so... Wow. And by the way, let me point out Heather Gay's uh, reunion performances, the first two seasons. Like, off, by the way, I remember sticking up for Heather Gay and those reunion performances because she was just unleashing to the point where it was like too much. Like, dude, chill out. And now she's all demure and quiet and all of this stuff. And now it's, oh my God, they're coming at me. They're coming for me. And it's like, girl, that's what you've been doing the last two seasons. You didn't even have to go that hard because you were already the like character. We get a flashback now to Whitney and Lisa talking. And Whitney's like, she's playing the victim card. She knows that she fucked up. She knows that she looks bad. She knows that she flip-flopped. She knows that she talked shit about Jen. She knows that she doesn't want to be my friend. So what she's doing, she's coming in with her tail between her legs and acting like everything we have done is to her so that no one can like argue it and lisa's like this is hard because she's so subdued i'm like who is this person i don't even know who this person is 
The ladies come back to the stage and their husbands join them. Ooh, and Andy's like, welcome back to the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City reunion. Welcome, husbands. Andy greets the husbands. He compliments Justin's new, um, you know, uh, unemployment beard and asks Seth if Brett Favre has reached out to meet him. Because uh, remember, Seth was like, I like uh, that Brett Favre. I'd like to do things to that man's body. He didn't say that in so many words. And Andy goes, Alyssa from Chicago said, Justin, I'm so sorry to hear about the loss of your job. What have you been up to since parting ways with your old company? And Justin's like, well, once I got over the anxiety of the uncertainty of just not knowing what's coming next, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> I love that. It's like the honest of like fucking rules, dude. You know how much TV I can watch? Like, I just, it's great. And Andy's like, you know, I, I know that clip of you and Whitney canoodling was discussed, which is that one where they're like painting each other's body and he's slapping her ass. And Andy's like, did your job specifically say we don't like how you're behaving on the show? And Justin's like, no, no, nothing specific was ever said about it, but it, uh, it happened right after that. And I think that was kind of like, and Andy's like, last straw. And Justin's like, yeah. And Andy goes, Seth, Seth, anything that crosses the line for you when it comes to filming? We obviously saw you take a bubble bath with Mary. And Justin's like, hey, thank you for that, by the way. I don't even know what Justin means by that. And when he's like, I wish you would have done a little more, but like, you got you weirdos. And Meredith goes, that's your whole thing. Like, everyone's making it look like it's just big, sexy moment. It was like we were chatting in the tub. Meredith, I can assure you I did not look at it as a big, sexy moment. I can assure you a lot of us didn't look at it as a big, sexy moment. We get a flashback to that tub scene, and Heather's like, a toe in the taint is pretty sexy. Oh, funny, Heather. And Meredith's like, my foot was under his butt cheek so I wouldn't slip. That's all it was. And Heather's like, it was a leverage point. Exactly. Blair from Connecticut is worried, Lisa and John, that you're spoiling Jack with the Range Rover, fancy vacations, expensive clothes. Do you have any regrets about the way you've raised him? And do you take responsibility for him not having interest in college? Fudge college, mom! And John's like, I have no regrets. He's a great kid. Uh, he's really helpful around the house. And Lisa's like, since he was in like sixth grade, we've never had to wake him up. He gets himself up. He gets himself to school. He manages his schedule for work and school. I'm like, shit, just getting himself up? Fuck, let me be your kid, man. I get myself up all the time. And John's like, we do remind him that he's got some good things going too. <laughs> Keep him humble. And Lisa's like, yeah, there's sometimes when it's like, it's not yours. And Andy goes, John and Seth, the strain in your wives' relationships clearly affected yours and made for some awkward moments. Seth, you seemed caught off guard when Lisa approached you and tried to apologize at Coach Shaw's party. And that was the beginning of the season. We see that moment. And Andy goes, did you expect to have that conversation last night? And says like, no, I did. I don't like confrontation, and I was still shocked by it all. So I was trying to kind of like avoid it. And Lisa's like, "It was a hard conversation for me to have too." <laughs> I love Lisa. Always like, "Don't forget about me." And it's hard to keep reliving over and over again. I don't think I was going to talk that long, and I definitely didn't want to make it awkward for Seth. But I definitely wanted him to know, like, "Hey, I'm sorry." And Andy's like, "Dennis from Cleveland wants to know how John felt." when he heard Meredith was involved with rumors about Lisa's infidelity. And John was like, it was hurtful. You know, I just, I took it for what it was, just a crusade to retaliate, retaliate towards Lisa. And Andy goes, Seth and John, do you realistically think the two of you can be friends if your wives aren't? And Seth goes, I have a lot of friends that Meredith is not friends with. And, uh, you know, so I would say, yeah. And John's like, the hard part for me is watching you make fun of Lisa, like in the closet when you guys were talking about the whole richer than whatever thing and having 50 cents in your hand or whatever. And we get a flashback to that moment earlier in the season where it was a joke at Lisa's expense. And John's like, our understanding was to not get involved or talk about our wives. I've never said anything derogatory about Meredith. So that kind of hurt. But listen, I mean, 
John, I mean, like, listen, Seth wants to get taint play. Like, he's going to say whatever it takes to get that toe in his nice little tongue tight behind. And Meredith goes, I apologize if the commentary was hurtful. The whole world knows you guys weren't together. The whole world knows you have more than 50 cents to your name. They were so egregious, it was meant to be funny. You're not meant to be hurtful or cruel. The problem here is Meredith isn't a particularly funny person, um, so it's hard. And Lisa goes, thank you, Meredith. What was hard for me, Seth, if you didn't stop Meredith when she was saying affairs, rumors, things like that in your kitchen. During that conversation, John would have been like, you need to stop. And Andy goes, Seth and John, can Meredith and Lisa be friends again, do you think? And Seth goes, can there be peace in the Middle East? And Andy goes, yes. And Lisa goes, oh my gosh. And they all laugh. And Seth goes, then yes. And John goes, I think they can be, yeah. And John goes, I think I can help you too. I can bring you two back together. Let's get nude. And Andy goes, how? And Justin goes, I don't know. I just know both of them. We're all in the... We're all the same person. We're all supporting our wives through this whole process. And Meredith to Lisa goes, is she talking about them or us? And John goes, I think you mean Seth and me. And Justin goes, yeah, I mean, whatever. I'm talking about Seth and John. And John goes, he probably could help. And Meredith goes, I don't know if you were talking about me and Lisa or John and Seth. And Justin goes, oh, I can bring Meredith and Lisa back together too. Why not? Sure. And Seth goes, I think you can have a new career. You have a new career. You are officially employed. And Andy goes, Dr. Phil. And Justin goes, that's exactly right. And Andy goes, nice. Well, we're going to leave it there. I'm going to let the husbands go and we'll be right back. I mean, that was it. It was so simple, you guys. It was like such a like, oh, you guys, what a what a weird, what a weird, weird show. Like, remember when we used to even get the husbands in on some dirt? Um, so this was kind of like, okay, it's good to see them. But once again, it's such a small period of time. So we come back and he's like, well, this season was full of surprises. The big well, guys, I just remembered, remember when Andy, and it's probably even this past year with other franchises, when they have like, let's take a look at some fun moments. <laughs> let's take a look at some stuff the audience didn't see, <laughs> but I guess there were no fun moments this season. So Andy goes, while this season was full of surprises, the biggest came after cameras stopped rolling after claiming innocence for over a year. Jen pled guilty. Let's watch. I like it. It's like, well, the darndest thing happened. <laughs> we see flashbacks of Jen claiming to be innocent and all the ladies talking about the upcoming trial, blah, blah, blah. Andy goes, do any of you feel like shooting the show while dealing with the trial changed her mindset? Did the reality of it kick in for her? And Heather goes, it's so hard to decipher, Andy. Like when you're filming, everything is huge and bigger than life. And I feel like she got arrested on camera. No, Heather, she didn't remember. She ran because of uh, Coach's anal fissure. Remember? She blamed it on that. But she ran. She didn't get arrested on camera. Uh, This happened while we were filming. And it was hard for her to realize that those charges were not just part of the show. Does that make sense? (laughs) Like basically like none of us understand what's real life and what isn't anymore. It's so like right then and there, Andy should be like, if you don't, you should not be on the show. Okay. There's the show. You'll see the cameras when we're filming it. And then there's not the show. And if you don't know what that is, we've got some bigger issues here. Um, Heather goes, I think it was really muddled and reality kicks in and the cameras go away and you're left with your life and it's in shambles, you know? So, by the way, just really amping up, like, let's feel sympathy for Jen. But your friend, your cousin, right across the the aisle from you, you can't get any sympathy. You can't explain what she possibly is going through. But you can explain everything that Jen's going through is wild. And when he goes, because in some ways she almost became, like, idolized because of it, right? And 
Lisa's like, it fed her ego a little bit. Not a little bit, a lot. Yeah, like that would be hard to discern between did I really do this or did I not? And Andy goes, Meredith, season two, you couldn't stand to be around Jen and said you knew something was off when she was arrested. That's very correct. Meredith was like that to remind everybody. We get a flashback to last season and Andy goes, season three, you've done a 180 and blindly stood by her. I love that word, blindly stood by her. How do you justify now that she's she's played guilty? And Meredith goes, guilty, innocent. It's in between. She's still a human being. And I'll always root for the underdog, you know? Meredith, if you always root for the underdog, root for those fucking victims. Like, what a dumb, dumb comment. Like, like a, a deeply dumb comment. You're better than that comment. And he goes, but you said that if she pled guilty, you would have a really hard time with it. Yeah, you know, I said I would struggle with it. Uh, You know, I'll have to understand it. And of course, that's not something I can do because she hasn't been sentenced. She had not been sentenced at this point, you guys. So there's a conversation I have to have at some point in time that I haven't been unable to have yet. What a way to get out of that, Meredith. And when he goes, how did you go from season two hiring a private investigator and saying all these things? But, you know, she even stole it from your store. And we get flashbacks of that. Remember that? Like, Meredith was gunning for Jen. And when he goes, to supporting her, I have never understood where that happened. And Meredith goes, the truth of the matter is, months before San Diego, months before any of you had this information, I was informed by a very reliable source that Jen made an attempt on her own life. And with what I went through, I believe what she's talking about her her nephew went through, I wasn't playing with that. There is no chance that I wasn't going to try to support. Now, this is a really tricky subject, as it is when uh, Jen repeatedly brought it up on the show. Now, the reliable source, I wonder if it is Jen Shaw, like a very reliable source, Jen, you know, which wouldn't be really a reliable source if you think about it. But obviously it was, you know, somebody in that orbit, maybe coach. I think with the problem with Jen's orbit and the problem with what Jen has been convicted of is once again, it's the credibility thing. She has lied so many times is that do we believe her? Well, we have to when it comes to suicide, right? We have to. It's too dark. But it is interesting that like once that has happened, that's just a free, like, so Meredith is just now... Well, I completely remove myself, you know. But if that's the case, too, don't film with Jen Shaw. Don't be a part of it. Say, you know, and that's what I didn't understand with production either. If this is really true, I get the show. But like, why do the show? If somebody's life really is hanging in the balance, don't let her film. Don't. I don't understand that. Don't. Meredith shouldn't even be in a position where she's filming around Jen if that is her mental state. Do you guys understand that? Like, am I am I am I the only one? Am I thinking wrongly about this? I don't know. So anyways, um, Andy's like, okay, but what's interesting is that you said, you know, if those victims were actually victimized by her, then I can't be her friend anymore. And Meredith goes, yes, I mean, I said that I would definitely struggle with it. And I do. I have an issue with it. And I'll, I'll be honest. But on the, oh, thank you for being honest. But on the flip side, I also don't think that like she should die. And Andy goes, no one is suggesting that she died. That she died. I'm just trying to parse out. And the mayor goes, I understand, but you also have to understand that when somebody is in a mental state where they have already made an attempt in their life and they feel alone and unsupported, I, you know, I know where it goes, okay? I, I lived it and I'm not doing it. I don't care what you think of me for it. Which is like a really great way to shut down conversation. I did it. I don't care what you think about me for it. End of conversation. Okay, cool. Okay, well, I am going to think weird things about you for it. 
And that's, you know, okay. Uh, and he goes, I'm just trying to understand your justification for what you said before, you know, about her as a felon, a criminal, whatever you want to call it. But that's also to be said, though, okay, so if every criminal, or even let's take a murderer, if a murderer tries to kill themselves because of what they did and how people are treating them, Meredith, does that mean that you're like, well, you know, we gotta, we gotta be okay with them then, you know? The murderer has rights, you know? We got, I feel very sympathetic towards the murderer. These are actual big questions. I don't know the particular answer, but I'm curious if this is the world that we're living in, take that down the road a little bit. Um, and Meredith goes, I have a lot of things I'm trying to reconcile in my own head with all of this. And quite frankly, I don't think I can do that until after her sentencing. Okay, well, maybe we should have filmed this after the sentencing then, because it's like, once again, it's like, why are we always filming before we can actually have feelings on things? It's the same shit with the Robin thing. Why are we filming and then after that you reveal a huge fucking, like, bomb in your life? Lisa goes, do you know what, though? I want to interject here. When we were in Vail, that was not the situation. There were a lot of things said that was not the situation, and it's all on camera. And Meredith goes, yes. Lisa, you had a lot to say, too. Everyone was blindsided. Nobody knew that she was arrested. And Lisa goes, no, no, no. I did not have a lot to say. I didn't know. Because I had called you from the van and you said, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. You were gloating in the bathtub when it happened. I was not gloating. You were 100%. No, I was taking a bath. Then we get a flashback to her fucking gloating to Mary Cosby. This is the shit that drives me insane. Why are you showing us? Show Meredith her gloating. Like, hey, see right there? That's gloating. Do you see that? Do you recognize that? What is the thought that was going through your head at that moment? Okay, not gloating. You just had gas. Cool. Well, I'm glad we asked you and I'm glad you saw it with your own eyes and what we possibly could be seeing. And uh, so Lisa's like, I'm just saying we're rewriting history. That's not the case. And Meredith goes, I'm not rewriting anything. I've said it over and over and over again. I could not process what was going on at the time. Do the other things that were going on in my life. Yeah, I had no support from my friends. And you know what? And Lisa goes, well, I was supporting you. So I'll exclude myself from that. No, you were not. That summer before, you had a lot to say about Jen Pryor too. And I'm just saying that's the truth. Yes, Jen and I were not getting along prior to. We both have a lot to say about each other. And Lisa goes, so you dug up information on her like you did on me. And we reconciled that, Lisa. And Lisa goes, that's when you dug up information on Jen. Lisa, how does this concern you? Andrew dug up information, and you dug up information on me. No, I didn't dig up anything ever. You dug up information on me and you did it on her too. No, I did not. I did not. It's a pattern when you don't like someone. It was sent to me, Lisa. And Annie goes, okay, all right. I don't care what you believe. How's that for an answer? Clearly you don't. And Andy goes, okay, you would believe someone that lies all the time over me. And Mary goes, nor do I care what you think or have to say about me. Nana, nana, boo, boo. What you say sticks to me, blah, 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 glue. <laughs> like, 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 but Lisa's right. You would believe someone that lies professionally over me. Someone that is going to jail over me. And Andy's like, all right, she pled guilty. She's facing 10 plus years in jail. And Meredith goes, right, right, right. And Andy goes, that doesn't make you have any reaction? You're like monotone about this? No, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm monotone. She, hey, she, ah, I raised my voice right there. She, ah. No, she didn't do that. But Andy goes, you have no feeling about this whatsoever. I, I think it's absolutely terrible and gut-wrenching. I can't, I can't speak to anything regarding her innocence or guilt, though. It's not my job. It's not my place. <laughs> Girl, you want a reality show. It is your place. 
Girl, this is the place. Girl, welcome to the place. You are here. You are in the place that we asked you to do those kind of things. And then he goes, well, you had a lot to say about it when she was arrested. And Lisa goes, and after she wasn't invited to parties, if she was around, you didn't want to be there. That had nothing to do with her innocence or guilt. It had to do with the fact, as I've said, and Andy goes, it's just weird to me that she pled guilty and now you have nothing to say about it. I was processing. And Lisa goes, it was like you had a strong moral compass last season and none this season. And Meredith goes, and she's sentenced. I'm sure I have more of an opinion on it. And Andy's like, are you scared of her? Are you scared of her coming after you by saying something about it? I mean, honestly, you guys, this really does show that there is a playbook for Meredith when she doesn't like somebody and when she does like somebody. And I think that is something interesting. And by the way, when I read the transcript back, it comes off so much more exciting Maybe it's just my performance too, but it comes much more and more exciting than when I watch it. You know what I'm saying? Okay, we're back for the final segment of the reunion, and I cannot wait to get this thing done. I mean, listen, we've changed so much in the course of this season. Like, take for me, uh, at the start of this season, I had a mustache, and now I'm back to a beard. And it just shows you how much people can change in the course of one season. Okay, so uh, we're back from the break, and Meredith is, uh, she's like, no, because if I was afraid of that, Andy, why would I have bothered confronting her last year? And Andy's like, right. I like Andy when he's like, right. I like he does it a lot, right, right. And Meredith is obviously, I'm not afraid of her. In my view, I am not the judge, I'm not the jury, I respect the legal system. I'm Meredith Marks. And Lisa's like, you're quoting me. I said that multiple times in interviews last year and brutalized for, you know, and been brutalized for being her friend and saying just that. Now, I mean, this is Lisa's Achilles heel, though. It's like she needs to chill on this shit because she could be really, she is a top tier housewife. And this is the kind of stuff that we do love, but like, you just take it down a notch. We're going to remember you, Lisa. And Meredith goes, I'm not quoting you, Lisa. I'm speaking my own mind. Stop telling me everything that I think and do. I'm not telling you. I just think it's confusing. Oh my gosh, I'm not interested. And Andy goes, you kind of were the judge and jury before she was even tried. And Lisa goes, yes, yes. And Meredith goes, no. I had one moment in like, you know, Vail where we all reacted. And after that, I, I didn't engage with Jen for the rest of the season. And Lisa goes, I can't. And Andy goes, Maddie from Monterey, which by the, do you even believe these are like real people? Maddie from Majestic, Mon Maddie from Monterey said Jen was actively committing fraud while showing her life on TV. Do any of you think she truly believed she was innocent? And Heather goes, I think she believed she was innocent. Heather Legitimately, we didn't ask you. <laughs> and Meredith goes, I thought she believed she was. I did, yeah. And Andy goes, you do? And when he goes, yeah, I don't know why you would sign up to be a housewife if you were running a telemarketing scheme. Well, Whitney, that's a great comment. And you know what? That's the thing that haunts all of us. Why, why would somebody do this? It's almost like somebody would have to have so much ego, right? Would have to think they're smarter than everybody else. Would have to think that they need more and more and more and want fame and want all of this stuff. In that New York Times article that I said I wrote, uh, read about Heather Gay, she said she feels responsible because she's the one that brought Jen on the show. Girl, I mean, truly deranged thinking. Truly deranged thinking. 
but yeah, I, I think Jen knew what she was doing was uh, unsavory or looked down on and possibly illegal. That's why she switched to third-party apps, uh, all of this stuff. So uh, Andy goes, well, I, I don't understand that either. And Heather goes, and it was imminent. It was happening when she signed up to be a housewife. And Andy goes, right, the investigation was happening, right? And Meredith goes, the shield indictment was on the day you announced our show at the first BravoCon. And Andy goes, wow, fun fact. That's incredible. And when he goes, and what does that mean? And Meredith goes, Jen didn't know about it yet because it had been a grand jury investigation. And when he goes, oh, got it. She had no idea. And Meredith goes, and they're trying to get more information on more people. And Andy goes, how do you know that? And Meredith's like, I read it somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> Meredith, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know. where I, I, You know, somebody told me. I don't know. Uh, it was in some, some of the stuff. And Lisa goes, but I mean, was her name listed at that point in time or was it added on later? And Meredith's like, I don't know. It was S.H.I.E.L.D. And Andy goes, I have to assume it was mentioned, but it was sealed. And Meredith goes, it was S.H.I.E.L.D. And Andy goes, Amaya from Milwaukee said, there's been very little mention of the victims of Jen's fraud. Has Jen shown any remorse to any of you about the people she defrauded? And Heather goes, no. And Lisa goes, well, I was quoted in an article and she wrote me and said, tell me who my victims are, bitch. And we see screenshots of that text and um, she didn't use the word bitch. She used the other words, but not bitch. Now, listen, it does sound better with the bitch in there. And also it does sound like Jen Shaw when you do throw the bitch in there. But just so you guys know, there was not bitch in the actual text messages. But this is like, had Jen shown any remorse for the victims? Heather goes, no. Shouldn't that be the end of the story right there of like how gross she potentially, like how gross she is? Like, this is where the Meredith Heather stuff is like, no, she hasn't shown any remorse. Oh, okay. Doesn't that give Meredith pot? Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, well, Meredith, don't you root for the underdogs? <laughs> you know? And he goes, well, it's safe to say that everyone believes she'll serve some time for this. And all the ladies are like, oh, totally. They can all agree on that. And Andy's like, Pearl from Montclair wants to know, Heather, if Jen goes to jail, how do you plan to support her? Will you visit her? And Heather goes, I mean, it depends on where she goes. I mean, I'll write her if she wants that. And I'll look in on Omar and Coach and I don't know. And Andy goes, there was speculation that she pled guilty to keep Coach from being implicated in any way. Is that anything that any of you thought? And when he goes, I thought about that. Like, if it was true, it makes sense. Sharif is a lovely person, and he's always, like, so on, right? That always struck me as, like, too good to be true. And Andy goes, so does that mean you think he's possibly had knowledge and is letting her take the fall? And when he goes, possibly, I think it's a theory, a possibility and Lisa goes it's possible that he had knowledge I mean they have to file taxes together I mean that is unless Jen cheated on her taxes too and he goes what do you think to Heather and Heather goes I don't know the first thing about their relationship I don't know I think it's you know pulling on a thread I don't think you could be so supportive if you knew she was implicated and Andy goes right and Heather goes because we were there with them and it was like he wanted to read everything going through the evidence. I mean, just because you want to read everything don't mean dick. Lisa goes, didn't you think like maybe Sharif knew when we met? And Andy goes, do you think that's an act? Like there's a possibility. And Heather goes, I mean, I don't know anything anymore. And Lisa goes, when we met for lunch, you brought up the fact, Heather, like how could Sharif not know? And we get a flashback of the last scene of the, the last episode of the season. And Heather's like, I really feel like it was financial. And they saw something that was like, listen, it's not worth rolling the dice because it's going to be so expensive. And if it's not a clear win, we can't risk it. She said the cost of the trial was astronomical. Just to get the transcripts was $2,000 a day. And that the cost was overwhelming. And they solicited friends for money. 
Okay, now that's a piece of information that Heather probably shouldn't have revealed. Like, glad you revealed it, but it's also something that's very self-serving because Heather didn't give her money. So Heather had her that in her back pocket. Andy goes, got it. Andy, that's not the, don't got it. Go, tell me more. Heather goes, and a lot of our friends gave them money. And Andy goes, did you give them money? And Heather goes, I did not give them money, but I know people on this couch who did. And the ladies all look at each other. And Heather goes, I mean, not on the couch now, the couch earlier. And, uh, you know, Heather goes, Angie Harrington gave her money. And Andy goes, wow. And Lisa goes, how long has Angie known her? And Heather goes, well, they asked. They just asked. And Chris had it. So he gave them money. And Lisa goes, I'm just curious, like, how long they knew each other. Because I think that's a very new friendship. And Heather goes, it is. But I think they knew that the Harringtons had money. And Chris didn't hesitate to help as he could. I love that. Like, I love that they knew the Harringtons had money. Well, you know, uh, being scam artists, they knew that the Harringtons had money. And that's what they do when they're scammers. They go for the people that have money. And the people, you know, and I also I love it because Coach set up this thing of being offended about the Shaw Exposed. So then Chris probably thought, like, I guess I do owe him money. Like, this is, and it's also kind of like, well, maybe it'll help my wife out on the show. It's so ridiculous, you guys. It's so ridiculous. These aren't real people. And when he goes, is that why the at Shaw Exposed thing went away so quick? That's another thing of like, okay, so Chris probably handed over the Shaw Exposed thing to Jen. And Heather goes, I don't know, you guys. I'm just saying financial strain was huge. And a lot of people gave her money. And he just goes, they asked John, they asked me. And Heather goes, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They asked people for money. I was, It was very expensive. And a lot of people came forward with money. And Andy goes, and none of you guys gave it to them like Angie did. And Heather goes, well, I didn't give them money. I gave my undying loyalty and self-respect. Lisa goes, I didn't because our counsel said we probably shouldn't. I have 13 lawyers. Otherwise, I would have. I was ready to. And Heather goes, no, I can't do that. Not to my family. That's my book money. And he goes, Heather, you and Lisa discussed the guilty plea over lunch. Why do you believe Coach encouraged her to plead guilty? Well, for the financial strain and that it was it was just an uphill battle and that I have to assume it was something that he thought wasn't with rolling the dice, just some sort of smoking gun. And Andy goes, you also believe that it was something that became clear. And Lisa goes, it was in a text or something she had sent to Stu that basically incriminated her. I love that the cast says they don't know anything and then everybody, Meredith and all that, like, yeah, she was being investigated for very like, like they all know so many more details than Andy. It's wild. And they're like, uh, I don't really know anything except for this specifically. So Lisa's like, they drop one charge and she only pled guilty to conspiracy, which means she had knowledge of what was going on. And Andy goes, well, Heather, you told Lisa you believe Jen really did commit the crime after she pled guilty. If you believe she committed fraud, why continue to support her? And Heather goes, because, I mean, she said she's committed fraud and she's going to prison and she's making $15 million in restitution. And I think me being mean to her or mad at her is just a virtue signal to the world and it doesn't do anybody any good. And like, I'm this far down the road with her. I'm not going to drop her now. I'm this far down with the devil. I'm going to keep going. By the way, there's 15 million in restitution, right? They supposedly made 6 million in restitution already, which is fascinating to me if true, because that means they had the $6 million they were sitting on. Now, if you thought you were completely innocent, you would be dipping into that $6 million, right? You'd be like, well, fuck it. I'm innocent. I'll, this $6 million is here for a rainy day. It's my money. I'm going to pay for this. Instead, they kept that money behind and they solicited their friends. Come on, guys. Like, th- it's not. That's fucked up. 
in a whole different way if you have the $6 million. She didn't know there was going to be restitution owed because she thought she was, quote-unquote, innocent. And the other $9 million, she, you know, said she would. It doesn't mean she will. And also, they can only garnish her wages. It was like something ridiculous. It was like 15%, I believe. And I'm like, damn, these people ain't ever getting that money back in a timely fashion. Um, I don't know. So Andy goes, you were very emotional at that lunch with Heather. Why? And Lisa goes, I'll get emotional again because there's a part of me that like loved her so much. And I was, she sucked me in and there's the good times. And then Jen, and by the way, when Lisa starts crying, there's a cut to Heather and she's like, Ugh, and rolling her eyes. Heather, you don't deserve reaction shots. She sucked me in and Jen would cut me, criticize how I treated my wound and then told me it was my fault. That's the relationship I was in. And I'm so sad about the nice times or when she was where with my kids, but I'm not sad about the horrible times. I don't miss that part. And Andy goes, all right, okay, we're going to leave it there. <laughs> I always love it. Okay, we're done. Okay, oh, that's great. Well, we really got to the bottom of that. And he goes, you, you guys got through it. That's good. Do you, do you feel better than you did 12 hours ago, Heather? And Heather's like, yes, yes. And Andy goes, I don't know if I believe you. You feel a different kind of worse. How about that? And Heather's like, <laughs> starting to cry. <laughs> so many lies to keep up. And there's like four, three, two, one. And Andy goes, we're back with our final moments with the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. What a dramatic evening. You're really emotional, Heather. What's up? And Heather goes, just uh, a lot, a lot of heavy topics. I mean, I don't even remember any of them now. Where am I? <laughs> and Andy goes, I mean, I think you're crying because I just asked you if you feel better than you felt 12 hours ago at the beginning of the day. And I expected you to say that you were relieved and you had gotten a lot off your chest. Maybe you feel worse. And Heather goes, it's just, you know, the show. It's brought so much good to my life, you know, but it also showed me a lot of ways I have to improve, you know, and Andy goes, you got a closer look at yourself and you didn't love what you saw. And Heather goes, I just got a closer look at how tumultuous these waters have been. And we've all been through a lot, you know, and Andy goes, mm hmm. No, it's real life. And Heather goes, these are big, big, heavy, heavy issues. And I feel ill-equipped to be up here talking about any of them, you know. Well, also, Heather, I, I would imagine you'd feel ill-equipped to actually write a fucking book then. And Andy goes, by the way, Bravo books are completely different. I'm listening to Craig Conover's audiobook right now, and it's like, okay. You know like what I'm saying? Like, I, we'll, have to, we'll have to talk about that at another time. It's a cute book. You know, it's cute. Andy goes, well, I wanted, to ease each of you, I wanted to ask each of you to tell me what your biggest regret of the season was. Who wants to start? And Heather goes, I can start. My biggest regret is that I was a real person before, and now I'm not. No. My biggest regret is not going to bed immediately when we came home from the club, the Marilyn Monroe night. Just gone to bed and stopped playing around, and that's my biggest regret. That's your biggest regret? You fucking dork. You doofus. You were partying your balls off, and you loved every minute. Stop. Just stop with the lies. And he goes, because you have a lot of shame about the black guy. And Heather goes, oh, immense, Yeah. And Andy goes, what do you think it's going to take for you to work through that? And Heather goes, I mean, I'm in therapy, so just continue making positive changes and recognizing my past and what I've come from. Once again, show me the receipts for the therapy, Heather. Andy goes, is this something that you've talked about in therapy, the black guy? And Heather goes, oh, yeah, of course. Do, does your therapist get any fucking wear with you? Like, I mean, does he get any kind of real truth? And he goes, Whitney, what's your biggest regret of the season? 
I wish I would have waited until I was sober to have the conversation surrounding the rumors. But I was kind of hoping that you would say, Heather, that one of your regrets is not mending our friendship. I know that I gave it a valiant effort and tried. And Andy goes, she said she's figuring it out. Meredith? I love it. And he's like, nope, we're not going back there. Uh, Meredith? And Meredith goes, well, I think my biggest regret is not to putting more toes in Seth's behind in the tub. <laughs> no, she goes, I think my biggest regret is not being more clear and careful with my words. And Andy goes, what about you, Lisa? For me, I just learned a lot this season, so I don't want to call it a regret, but I wish I had set more boundaries with Jen. I'm grateful for so much more. The ladies all set a glass of champagne to toast, and Andy goes, well, ladies, you've been through a lot, and through it all, you have each personally prevailed, and you certainly um delivered a really enjoyable season. You certainly um delivered. And let's go jit. No, sorry, let's go jazz. And Lisa goes, go jazz. And Heather goes, courtside seats. Not Heather, you can't joke about this. And Wendy goes, cheers to courtside seats. And they also bring out a cake with two candles for Meredith and Lisa's birthday. Meredith asks to switch sides so she can have the pink candle. And Lisa sacrifices, that's my good side, to give Meredith her preferred candle. What? Uh, what an amazing one. And then a hero comes along with the strength to carry on. And then Lisa leads the singing of happy birthday, like, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. And the season comes to close, you guys. That's it. We did it. I'm so proud of all of us. Uh, that's it, you guys. I was going to do a Miami recap. I am going to do that. It'll be tomorrow. Um, but this is an hour and a half and, uh, you can listen to the Miami recap right after this one. It's just going to be on a separate episode and I'm going to do that for YouTube as well. But you guys, if you don't come for that Miami recap, have a great flipping weekend. What I always say, eat something good, drink something great, dance with some, dance by yourself, dance like no one's watching, read a book, watch a TV show, go out and walk, exercise, talk to your family, talk to your friends, talk to no one, do what makes you happy. And I'll talk to you bright and early on Monday, unless you're a Patreon member, then I'll talk to you over there. And, um, and guys, remember to go sign up for my show moment.co slash forward slash SBIG. Love you guys. Bye. Betches.